You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a Interception as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, if you want to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. On today's show, we're going to do some uh, some pretty deep draft talk, okay? And I don't mean by, you know, deep by, uh, you know, late in the draft, Um, We're going to kind of dissect that number 15 pick. And this came in from a listener, uh, the idea did, uh, from Andy on Twitter. So I thought, you know what, let's really go through and kind of look at, um, first of all, trying to answer his question and do it in a way that, you know, sometimes I I, I may get asked a question or I I hear a topic brought up and I get, you know, get kind of involved in a conversation and I don't actually answer their question. What I come away uh, doing is pointing out that, well, that's not how I see the draft board. That's how, not how I see the draft unfolding. You know, I'm talking in terms like a horizontal board, best player available as opposed to position of need, things like that. So I really wanted to key in on Andy's question and uh, and try to answer it in a way that's satisfactory to him. But also, um, anytime you do an exercise like this, uh, you know, a question, it's a specific question that's asked. And by the time you get done, man, you came, you came away with some really, really cool data that you, you know, otherwise probably wouldn't have dug into. And it really, uh, it kind of uh, sharpens up the, the viewpoint on the upcoming draft. Um, this happens every single year to me. Um, you guys know I've talked about how I've built a draft board uh, every year since 2009. And I typically get two reactions when I talk about that. Either people go, that's awesome, 
or people go, you need a life, <laughs> right? My wife falls in that camp of you need a life and that life needs to involve me a little bit more. <laughs> but the draft just consumes me every year and I try to hold off as long as possible. As you guys, I'm sure you've noticed listening to the pod, um, I tried not to dive into the draft too early. I am one of those guys that I don't like draft talk year round. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't understand the person that that's like, oh, quit talking about the draft. I don't want to hear about it. Um, I don't care what anyone else talks about or listens to. Um, so I don't understand that whole trying to control, you know, uh, what uh, what products put out there, what podcasts is put out there. You know, it's it's there to consume if you want to consume it. If you don't, keep it moving, right? Um, it goes with anything, any, any other form of entertainment. Um, but I try to hold off until – free agency starts because once free agency starts, all these dominoes start to fall into place and you can really see um, where your team is or, or is not, you know, filling needs and filling those holes in the roster. And you guys know on the last episode, the last podcast we did a couple of days ago, we talked about the, the needs for the Packers uh, roster, right? That's kind of uh, how we ended that podcast. We're going to start this podcast, just kind of recapping that as we answer Andy's question. So let's just get right into it. Uh, this came from uh, Andy, like I said, on Twitter. You can follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter. I interact with him quite often. Uh, really good dude. Um, very uh, very even kill. very level-headed. Uh, I would say Andy and I probably disagree on a healthy amount of things when it comes to the Packers, but we always come away from the conversation. I know I come away from the conversation. I am definitely you know, don't want to speak for him, but I come away – a little more educated on the situation that we're talking about just simply because we can have a conversation without shouting at each other. I mean, if you guys are on Twitter right now on Packers Twitter, it's hilarious. They, these people are, they are going after each other. And uh, it's just comical to me that people are so set in their opinions that they're, they're not willing to hear the other side. I mean, they will, they will spend all day long periodically responding to each other just to make another snide comment, and and it's like you you're no closer to coming up with the answer of I was wrong or they were wrong. It's just simply you're wrong, <laughs> you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and it's hilarious. And that's why I like the interaction with Andy. Is we always have really good conversations. Ever since I got on Twitter, he's one of the first people that I remember interacting with uh, when we had zero followers, and we're now about to crack seven thousand followers, I believe. And just just great conversation with Andy. But anyway, you can you can follow him on Twitter. Go give him a follow, guys, if you aren't already. Um, at Andy APAC. So it's at K or uh, capital A N D Y capital A capital P A C K. So at Andy APAC. And this is what he said. He sent me a DM and he said, um, hey, question for the next pod. If we have only only pick 15, what is your preferred position to draft? I think Mayor. Darnell or Kincaid, uh, what if we have 13 and 15 wide receiver and tight end for me based on what we've lost the most in free agency? So um, just basically asking, and again, I'm going to try to answer that question. What, uh, you know, if, if you only have pick 15, what's your preferred position? So, Andy, I'm going to answer your question, and then I'm going to answer it in a way more detailed way. Um, if you're asking me, What's the preferred position? I'm I'm taking that as if all the talent on the board that's available when the Packers pick is even, right? Everybody is the is at the same level. There's no draft grade. It's just pick the position that you think is uh, 
you know, bigger need, right? So when you look at it that way, let's look at the, the holes in the roster. And we talked about this on the last pod. You need a number one safety, right? You need a number one receiver. Some people would say Christian Watson's a number one. I respect that opinion, and I hope you're right. Let's just play play it safe here and say that he's a solid number two right now. Okay, so we need a number one safety, a number one receiver, a number one tight end, a number three defensive lineman, and a number four linebacker. So now you look at those needs and you go, okay, obviously with number 15 pick, I don't think we're looking to take a number four linebacker, right? Uh, now, best available is best available, right? If if the best prospect on the board available was a linebacker and he was hands down one tier above and there was no way you could trade out of that pick, I'm cool with them taking that because that would provide competition with Quay Walker. Some of you guys are going, you've lost your mind. I do not want that. I don't want it either, but I'm just talking about uh, drafting players rather than position of need, but as the horizontal board falls, right, who's the best player available? But, again, we're talking about positions. Number one safety, number one wide receiver, number one tight end, number three defensive lineman, number four linebacker. I'm not taking a number four linebacker with the 15 pick, the number 15 pick. I'm not taking that number three defensive lineman like out the gate unless it's just a phenomenal prospect. And we'll talk about a scenario on this podcast um, that that could potentially fall into Green Bay's lap. Okay. And, Andy, what I'm going to do is not even going to touch number 13. I'm going to go through and kind of mock out number 15 and kind of how I, I could see the number 15 pick falling into place. But if I had to pick two, like you said in the second part of that question, what if we have 13 and 15, assuming that the Packers were to trade Aaron Rodgers for the number 13 pick from the Jets? Um, wide receiver and tight end, it would be for you. For me, ideally, if the talent was even across the board, that number 15 pick would be safety. Why, why would I do that? Because – Safety, in my opinion, the free safety position <clears throat> is a tier two position. Now, in the Vic Fangio defense, you don't have a primary free safety. I, I What I noticed a lot was there was a lot of freelancing going on. And on top of that, um, it just depends on which side of the field you want the late rotation to come down on, going from a two high shell into a single high look by the end of the play. You're talking pre-snap to post-snap. Um, so for me – uh, that quote-unquote strong safety is just as important as the free safety, although if you were telling me every single down this player would be playing free safety, that's more important than strong safety in my opinion. Not saying I'm right. That's just the way I see it. So number one safety would be my top position. The next one, would, and why, why would I do that? Because that's a tier two position. You guys have heard me talk about tiers. On offense, there's two offensive positions that I, that I deem that I consider – tier one positions, quarterback and left tackle. On defense, there's one tier one position. That's the edge defense, the edge position, right? The the pass rusher, uh, your Rashawn Gary's, your, your Bosa brothers, people like that. Um, in tier two on offense, I have center and wide receiver. Okay, I feel like those are the only two tier two positions. And you guys have heard me flirt with the idea of moving tight end into that tier two. It's it's almost there when you look at what happened with the playoffs and all the great teams, uh, you know that that were finishing the the season out having great tight ends. Um, it's something that I'm going, man. Am I overlooking that? I still feel feel confident that the tight end position is not a tier two position, but I definitely bump wide receiver up to tier two. Uh, the other spot there, like I said, with center, I think it's it's absolutely vital. I think it's something that's hurting Green Bay right now. I'm not 
here to to bash you know Myers at center, right? Um, I think he's he's done an okay job, but okay isn't going to get you a Lombardi award. And hopefully he takes another step forward. Who knows? Maybe he gets better after Aaron leaves. You know, if Aaron, if we get out of the the freedom of Aaron being able to check in and out of plays, and let's say Jordan Love, let let's just say I don't think Jordan Love's going to be a robot. First of all, I think he's going to have a lot of freedom like Aaron did too. Definitely not at the level that Aaron did, but. Let's say that we we check out of the play, you know, 20% less this year. I think that makes it easier on the center. I really do. I think it makes it easier on everyone as a team. But at the same time, you you don't want to unplug a four-time MVP's brain when coming to the line. Some of you were going, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You did last year, but there were a lot of factors that came into play. Now, if you choose to pretend like those didn't exist, that's totally cool. Um, you know, who am I to say – that they played a big enough factor to uh, to change the outcome. That's just my opinion. I feel like it, it did. You know, the year before, there was a whole lot of that going on, and we had a great year, 13 wins, right? The year before that, same thing, 13 wins. Aaron Rodgers' first year with Matt LaFleur was that hybrid Matt LaFleur slash Mike McCarthy offense. A lot of freedom, 13 wins, right? Uh, nobody's complaining when you're winning a ton of games, but when other factors come into play, injuries, and, and you know, for whatever reason, you don't win as many games. Now, all of a sudden, it's an issue. It's a problem. I can't believe we're doing this, right? Um, and I get it. I, I totally understand that. Um, so that's kind of how the positions lay out. If To answer your question, Andy, my, my answer would be safety and wide receiver. If we could go get a number one uh, safety and a number one wide receiver in the same draft, meaning a number one, meaning they are starting caliber, they're, you're going to plug and play from day one like we did with Quay Walker last year, right? Like we tried to do with Christian Watson, but the injury slowed him down. And then later on, bang, he was just – it was he was going to be in the lineup every day there down the stretch. I would love to get a safety, which is a tier two position, and a wide receiver, which is a tier two position, and button that up completely, right? Now, if a best available tight, if the best best available on the board was a tight end, I'd be totally cool with them going tight end because you always want to go best player available. That's the goal is to take the best football player that's available when you pick every single round in the draft. Now, to sit here and pretend like position of need doesn't play a role in, in how a GM slash front office makes their picks is just silly. Um, I don't think that they're there going, nope, I, listen, this is a stud franchise quarterback sitting on the board right now, but you know what? We don't need a quarterback. I'm going to go and get a defensive lineman that's two tiers lower because we need a defensive lineman. That's that's a great way to fast-track yourself into building a horrible roster and a horrible future for a football club. Um, but let's talk about the players. Let's talk about as we went through, and I'm using my draft board, okay? I'm not going to give you all the details of my draft board because it's it would take way too much time and it would be so confusing trying to explain the draft board that I have, my elite board. Um, I'm sorry, my critical board. Um, and it's really neither here nor there at the moment. Understand that this board is, is strictly vertical right now. I've got every prospect ranked in order. And then when we build the horizontal board, it will break down into tiers and those names will spread out horizontally over the board by position, and now you cluster these players into different tiers underneath their you know, respective positions, and now you can look ahead and go, wow, 
We've got real good depth coming up early in the second round. How do we know it's early in the second round? Because it's beyond the 32 slot, meaning they can't be taken any high or any uh, you know any lower than 33, right? Um, the way the board will fall, it kind of gives you a worst case scenario and clusters of, of specific positions uh, based on their grade, and then horizontally uh, being able to identify them uh, by their positions. So. Um, that's what's so uh, unique about the horizontal board is being able to look into the near future, whether you're in the first round and you glance ahead to the third and go, man, there's a lot of players. They're like tied in for me. It's hard for me to get completely on board with taking a tight end at number 15 right now, because this is such a tight end heavy draft that I think not only will the Packers be looking at this way, but all 31 other teams across the national football league will be looking at the same way. Like I can get, just a slightly worse tight end a little later in the draft with if you get even uh, you know a third of the the league's front offices looking at the tight end position like that or any position for that matter what's going to happen they're going to fall they're going to fall in the draft right and it sounds so silly because we talked about the tight end market was going to be cold in free agency and it has been because this tight end, this draft is so tight end heavy but even when it's tight end heavy that means teams are going to kind of lay off unless they're absolutely in love with a player that's hands down a tier above every other tight end. And you go, man, I really, I really want that top tight end in the draft, right? Like for me and my critical board here, uh, the best tight end in the draft is Michael Mayer. He comes in in the 22 slot. Next is Dalton Kincaid. He's in the 24 slot. Even though it's 22 and 24, there's some spaces in between. The grade I've got on Mayer is 21. The grade I got on Kincaid is 22. They're still in the same tier because the tier, as it sits right now, my board is falling in. The tiers are going to be in increments of five as far as grade, not every fifth prospect, but grades. So they're in the same tier. I would be cool with either of those. So if I'm on the clock and and it's okay, the best player available is Michael Mayer, but I'm looking at Dalton Kincaid going, Dalton Kincaid is just as good according to my scouts, according to my board, and every every single scrap of information that we've compiled into our draft board, I'm not going to take him right now. I'm going to trade down a pick or two. Now, that's easier said than done. We all know that trades are typically they're they're worked out way in advance between teams and front offices to where deals are the structure of the deals are pretty much in place. And then when it comes time, you call them up and go, hey, is that deal still good? Awesome. Call in the trade. It's not like Madden. You don't pause the draft and then go in and try to work out a trade for 15 minutes. That's not how it works, right? And I know you guys know that. It's just – it's funny how some people don't don't see it for what it is. It's not as easy to trade around the draft as people make it out to be. They've got a ton of staff members that are working behind the scenes, even the day of the draft, letting them know that trade may still be good. Are you guys still good with that? Okay. That way when they decide, all right, we're going to trade back or we're going to trade up here, and they give the person the call and that clock's ticking, right? Um, whether you're on the clock or the team that you're looking to trade with is on the clock, and then you give them a call and they go, well, it depends. What do you want to give us? There's no time for that conversation, right? The the structure of the deal is already in place. So when you look at the players that we got available, what I did was I focused on players in those positions of need, Andy. And what I wanted to do is just compile some information, and then at the end we'll look at it and go how many how many players were at each position that kind of made sense, and that'll kind of give us our consensus answer of where do we think the Packers? What's the greatest chance? as far as the position that the Packers could choose, you know, and it, and it sounds silly, 
But again, these are the exercises that you're you're constantly doing during draft season. Uh, once you get uh, into free agency a bit, because what the front office is doing behind the scenes is they're drawing out every scenario possible that could unfold in the draft. They're doing mock draft after mock draft after mock draft to, to put themselves in a position to say what happens. And we had this conversation actually in the Packer net discord chat earlier today. Um, you know, Ryan was kind of asking some questions on how people felt and, and I, you know, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but the vibe I got was he was trying to understand is Houston really going to take a quarterback? How sure are we that Houston will take a quarterback where they're picking in the draft early in the first round, right? Um, and you you can bet your rear end that front offices are doing the same things. What if Houston doesn't take a quarterback and this guy comes off the board here? All right, how do we react to that? Does that put us a little bit closer, even just a, a smidget closer to trading up in the draft to make sure we maximize every bit of compensation we have as far as, uh, you know, uh, draft, uh, draft compensation as far as, you know, the value in each pick to make sure we get the best players available throughout the entirety of the NFL draft. I'm a big fan of trading back, but I'm a boring football fan, right? I'm, I'm the guy that's like, you know what? If you've got a cluster of players, I want multiple swings, especially with the new CBA and how cheap these rookie deals are. So let's go down the line here. The first person on the board, in my opinion, is Brian Branch, right? We talked about safety. Safety is a position of need. We need a number one safety. It's a tier two position. Brian Branch falls on the list first. On my board, Brian Branch is 18th, okay? For me, I would be totally cool with taking Brian Branch with the number 15 pick, Andy. I would be I would be a I'd be like, there's your number one safety, whether it's Rudy Ford playing deep or him, right? You got a little bit of competition now uh, by bringing in more and some other guys there at the safety position. Is Darnell Savage going to jump back in the mix in the competition? Some of you are going, I hope he doesn't. I'm kind of on board with that too. Is he going to play the slot? Is, if he plays the slot, then that means when we're in the when when we're in uh you know facing eleven personnel, and we're in our nickel defense. Does that mean Eric Stokes is butts on the bench now? Right? Does that mean Russell Douglas moves the safety? Does that mean Jair moves it? There's, there's a lot of different moving parts. But the reason I mentioned that about Brian Branch is because um, Brian Branch is the number 18 prospect. It's a position of need. It's a tier. It's the top, you know, top tier available as far as um, you know uh, the importance of position. But there's kind of a caveat here. Brian Branch, as you guys know, had a bad uh, a bad combine. His RAS score is 6.05. Here recently we had uncovered, and Cheesehead TV did a great article on it. You guys can go back and and if you just Google search RAS uh, Cheesehead TV, I guarantee you could find the article. But they talked about how here in the in the recent past um, that the Packers front office hasn't drafted anyone in the first two rounds that had an RAS score of lower than 8.30. I think I rounded it up a touch just to make it easier, but the number was right around 8.30. So when you look at Brian Branch, his RAS is 6.05. It kind of crosses him off the list. Unless Goody goes out of that realm of normality, right, and says, okay, um, let's let's forget the RAS. We, we've seen the tape. We think Brian Branch is the real deal. In this case, I'm going to cross him off the list, though, because, you know, history history tends to repeat itself, right? And history kind of dictates the future, in my opinion. Um, so you cross Brian Branch off the list. Who's next? Let's look at another position of need. It's a Tier 2 position, very similar to safety. It's the wide receiver position, all right? Who's the first wide receiver on the board? First one on the board is um, we got – 
Jordan Addison that pops up here in the number 16 slot, right? So he's actually ranked higher on my board than Brian Branch. But there's a problem. Jordan Addison, his RAS score was 5.83. So he doesn't qualify, cross him off the list. Let's go on down to the next prospect, and this is a, a lot of people's favorite here in Quentin Johnston. Quentin Johnston from TCU comes in the number 19 slot just behind Brian Branch for me, okay? And when you look at Quentin Johnston, his pro day isn't until March 30th. He didn't, uh, to the best of my knowledge, he did not complete, he did not finish a complete RES profile from the combine. If he even attended the combine, I'm not sure. Um, I don't dig into the details of why I'm taking the data and running with it because RAS does such a great job. Those guys over there math bombing them. They, I mean, they do a phenomenal job putting this information together for us. So Quentin Johnston, his pro day isn't until March 30th. I'm going to put a question mark there, right? We're going to move on to the next one. The next one is Jackson Smith uh, in Jigba. And this is everybody's sweetheart right now, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba comes in on my board at the number 20 spot on the critical board. Okay. Um, his, uh, his grades an 18.6. He's slightly behind Quentin Johnston and a Jackson Smith in Jigba actually had the maximum modifier when it came to combine results. His RAS score was a 9.30. Now I believe that Quentin Johnston's will probably be in the nines as well. If that's the case, he's significantly going to raise up the board and probably will finish somewhere around the 14 spot if that happens with Quentin Johnson, but we won't know until his pro day March 30th. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, 9.30 RAS, the first player on our list of players that we're talking about here as far as my critical board that we would potentially take at number 15 that fits a position of need is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Put a check by his name. The next one is Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer, tied in. You guys know I'm a Notre Dame nut. I would. There's nothing I would want more than Michael Mayer to be drafted by the Packers, right? But if the board doesn't line up, the board doesn't line up. He's the number 22 prospect, right? We don't have tied in at a Tier 2 level yet. They're not Tier 1. They're not Tier 2. They're still in that Tier 3. So you can't put huge importance on it based off of the position and how important that we think it is, we assuming – the Green Bay Packers look at that position of need or that position of importance, I should say, uh, the same way we do. So when you look at Michael Mayer coming in at 22, his grades of 21, um, his pro day, or I'm sorry, his combine numbers, his RAS score is an 8.13. Guys, that's it doesn't make the deadline, but it's extremely close, right? It doesn't meet that, that, uh, that level that we need of that 8.30. But I put close by it because I just want to – that's an outlier. I want to have him kind of highlighted like, look, that's right there in the ballpark. Are you really going to let, uh, you know, that small of a difference from RAS uh, knock you out of taking a guy that had a 92 PFF grade in college and that everybody under the sun is mocking to the Green Bay Packers, right? So I put close on there. Um, technically, he didn't meet the, the, uh, the qualification there. Up next, you got Dalton Kincaid. He's a tight end. He uh he did not have a complete profile as far as RAS. His pro day is coming up on March the 23rd, which is actually this week. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So his is incomplete. Put a question mark next to it. Up next is Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave, a tight end. A lot of people aren't talking about. He comes in the 28th spot, 31.6 grade, maximum modifier, because he absolutely lit up the combine. Luke Musgrave, 9.71 RAS. He definitely qualifies. Put a check by his name. This next one is very interesting. And I'm going to kind of wrap up talking about him in a little more detail because it is fascinating to me. It really is. Jalen Carter now is the top guy on my board, okay? Defensive lineman from Georgia, Jalen Carter, is uh, is the top prospect on my board. Now, you guys know I don't take into any account as far as the numerical value of each prospect. Off-the-field things, injuries, stuff like that, I, that does not – come into the equation at all until I build my final horizontal board, and then I will write that name in red. Jalen Carter's name will be in red because of legal issues and, and other things that we'll talk about a little later. But if Jalen Carter is dropping, right, again, guys, this is the number one prospect on my board, and they're saying he's dropping fast in the draft because of the the issues off the field and then uh, being out of shape for his pro day and not even finishing his pro day. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. If Jalen Carter falls to 15, I've seen enough on tape that from physical ability and able to play the game of football, Jalen Carter last year, when I go back and watch the tape last year, and, and actually uh, 
Greg Cosell talked about this as well on a Philadelphia Eagles podcast that I've been listening to because Greg Cosell's on there so often. It was like he he jumped off the screen last year, even when Devontae Wyatt was there. And some of these other great defenders, the other guy, was it Jordan Davis, I think, that went to Philly? Like, they said that, that he was flashing just as much as those guys last year. So, I mean, the tape says it. The tape says it all. Jalen Carter is the best prospect in this draft, even better than Bryce Young. The only problem is Bryce Young is in the quarterback position, and you guys know there's two drafts per uh, Greg Cosell. There's two drafts every every spring, every April. It's the NFL draft, and then it's the NFL quarterback draft because they are treated a tier higher than where they actually rank. That's just kind of how, how that goes because the quarterback position is so freaking important. But, again, Jalen Carter, if he drops – you know, I mean, he didn't complete his pro day. He's got the legal issues. But if he dropped the 15, why would I be willing to take him? Because you're talking about a generational talent. Like, when you are projected to be the best talent, not projected to be the number one pick, but the best talent in the draft, you're saying that's a generational talent. That could be the next Aaron Donald, right? It could be. It doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. But it could be the next great defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox, a few years ago when he was really in his prime. Somebody like that, J.J. Watt back in the day. He could he could be that level of a player. And this legal issue might be just a one-time mistake. He was, a, he was a kid. He made a stupid mistake, and he'd never get in trouble for the rest of his NFL career. But you can bet your butt that – that these teams have their private investigators digging up as much dirt as they can on Jalen Carter right now to see should we take him off the board or should we reduce his value significantly. So if he were to fall to the Packers at 15, and let's say that Goody and his crew and their private investigators have looked into Jalen Carter and like that, man, this was really an isolated incident. He made a stupid decision. He's sorry for it. There's no more legal ramifications. I'm not suggesting that's the case. Someone lost their life. I mean, let's let's be real about it. But let's assume that that's how everything played out and it's squeaky clean and, all right, yeah, you, you've got the green light to draft Jalen Carter. I would be willing to take Jalen Carter even though what we're looking for at the defensive line position is a number three defensive lineman, but it's a tier two position. That's more important than tied in. So if you're talking about getting a generational talent, as the tape suggests, and you line him up in a 34 defense front, I know we're in nickel a lot of times, and him even be a rotational guy in the nickel. Guys, Kenny Clark is not going to be around forever. Kenny's still young, but Kenny's grading out mediocre here of lately. Ryan pointed it out in the past. I haven't heard him talk about it in a while, but he's the one who really got my eye on it. And I was looking at this year going, well, let's see what he does. His pass rushing was looking great, but against the run, he was horrible. And that was not just on tape, but PFF suggested it as well. And you're not going to find a nicer guy than Kenny Clark. Like, I want that dude – to pan out worse than anyone. You're talking about a quiet leader, high character. The teammates love him. Pretty sure he was voted a captain last year. But, again, it's not show friends, it's show business. You've got, you've got to put the best product on the field as possible. And if, if Jalen Carter were to fall to us at number 15 and you take him, then Kenny Clark's got another year or two on his contract. I don't have that information pulled up. I know he's got at least one year. I believe it's two years left on his deal. Um, and you mold – Jalen Carter 
into that role of playing nose tackle or even a three technique if you want to play a little a little shade look if you want to dip dip your toe into like a 43 look on down the road if you want to become more versatile more hybrid like a Belichick and some of these other guys uh, Lovey Smith at times um, if you did that then you've got that tier two position you've got depth there now right and now you've got Devonte Wyatt and Jalen Carter playing side by side but for for the sake of this experiment today, right, this exercise that that Andy kind of uh, sparked uh, sparked to us, um, we're going to put a question mark next to Jalen Carter for good reason, right? First of all, there's a great chance he won't even be there at 15. I would be very, very surprised if he lasted 15. But even if he does, there's a reason he lasted, which means they may have found some stuff extra behind the scenes when doing some digging on him. And it wouldn't be worth it for the 15. We're gonna we're gonna take them off this list for the sake of this exercise. Up next is another defensive lineman. Again, it's a tier two position, and we need a number three defensive lineman. Let's do our due diligence. We're not gonna look at linebackers because we're not worried about a fourth string linebacker at the moment, especially in the first round, right? Brian Breesy. Um, Brian Breesy to me, he uh he has climbed up quite a bit. I'm eager to hear what Greg Cosell has to say about him. I haven't heard him talked about him yet. But Brian Breesy out of Clemson is the number 23 uh, prospect on my board. Had a phenomenal combine. His RAS is a 959, well above that 8.30 threshold that we know the Green Bay Packers like to stay within when they're making their first and second round picks. So that's the list of players. Let's recap and talk about the ones that have check marks because there's only three guys. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba, Luke Musgrave, and Brian Breesy. All three of those, okay? Now, we're talking about positions of need because the question was asked, what position would you be looking at? For me, that's the perfect place to start. Now, I want to hit pause here for a second because if a Tier 1 position fell in our lap, right, like a uh, – let's let's hop up here a little bit. Let's say Tyree Wilson, who I've got the number seven prospect on the board. His, uh, his pro day isn't until March 29th, but let's say – that Tyree Wilson fell to the Packers at 15. He's an edge defender. That is an elite position. He would hands down be the best player on the board. I could see us taking him over anything. Here's another one. C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I know y'all don't want to hear it, especially with everything that just happened. And everybody wants Jordan Love to get his fair shake. I do as, as much as anyone, right? But if you have a quarterback fall to you and they are – in that top tier of talent on your current board, on your horizontal board when you pick at 15, it's going to be very hard to pass up on that. The best time to take a quarterback is when you don't have a quarterback. That's just exactly why we took Jordan Love when Aaron Rodgers was on the roster. And I know that's been a topic of discussion here lately. You guys have heard me say I like the Jordan Love pick. I liked it then. I still like it now. Now, the people that say, oh, it didn't hurt us for the next year of going after a Super Bowl, um, we're coming out of the NFC Championship, and you draft a backup quarterback that isn't going to play for three or four years. I disagree with that, too. You know, you'd like to think that your first-round pick could have contributed. I'm not saying been a you know everyday starter, but still, they would have contributed. So, uh, anyway, I just want to put that into perspective, that if an edge defender, you know, like Lucas Van Ness is sitting there at number 17, if he's available on the board – you know, it's a tier one position. I, I would have no qualms with them taking him. But the thing that's worrying me is safety and wide receiver. 
Are we going to continue to do the same thing we've done in the past? Now, we took Darnell Savage in the first round. It has not panned out to this point, right? We've never taken a wide receiver in the first round, although we took Christian Watson two picks into the second round, and that seems to be a home run. Let's hope he, hope that continues this year. Um, but you've got these holes that you need to fill, and you've got players sitting on the board that's best available. Now, Lucas Van Ness at the edge position, it being a tier one position, I'd be totally cool with them taking him. Or even a, uh, a Broderick Jones, right, from Georgia. Offensive tackle, that's a tier one position on offense. Paris Johnson, on and on. Peter Skaronsky, if Peter Skaronsky falls at the Packers at 15, I will be screaming on our live stream to draft that guy. He is a monster. Now, Broderick Jones, what I've noticed about him is he's not the best pass blocker. He's a freak of nature, right? But his pass blocking, is a, he leaves a little, little to be desired there. And, and that is being very picky, to be honest with you. And why are we picky? You've got Paris Johnson that grades out exactly the same at a 12.3 as Broderick Jones. On top of that, you climb up a couple picks and you got Peter Skaronsky, right? You drop down a few picks. And uh, really, once you get past those guys, that's all of your offensive tackles. So there's kind of a cluster there in the middle of the first round for sure, really on the in the top 10 of the first round um, when you look at it that way. So right now, Andy, to answer your question, man, I know it's long-winded, but again um, – I gave you my answer right off the top, and now we're going to kind of hit on it in a little more detail um, and just want to lay out why we came to that conclusion. That way you can understand, you know, to me, it's it's one thing to tell someone something. I never want to tell anybody what without telling why, right? And that's why we came to this conclusion. So right now, if I had to put my finger on it, and again, back to your question, if we have only pick 15, what is your preferred position to draft based off how the board falls, right? To me, it seems like Jackson Smith and Jigba is number one. Luke Musgrave would be number two. And Brian Breesey would be number three. Those would be the order of my picks. Again, incomplete profile for RAS is Quentin Johnston. He could leapfrog Jackson Smith and Jigba in a heartbeat. Right now, he's actually higher than him on the board. It's just I don't want to throw him into the mix. If he comes out and bombs out at his pro day and he doesn't reach that 8.30 RAS uh, you know, uh, level, then he would be crossed off the list. I just want to kind of put that into perspective. Um, Luke Musgrave, why is he over – um, Dalton Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid's pro day isn't until March 23rd. Dalton Kincaid will probably blow that pro day out of the water, and he would be hands down be the better tight end than Luke Musgrave. Michael Mayer, he's close with that 8.13. Are you going to go tape over that RAS rule that we just talked about? Over, I mean, literally 0.17 is how far away from that threshold he is of 8.30. So Michael Mayer would be one. But sticking to the rules for this exercise, the three that we're talking about is Jackson Smith and Jigba, tight end Luke Musgrave, and defensive lineman Brian Breesey. Um, now, Michael Mayer, like we said, he's very close. If you're asking me what I would do personally, what I would want to do based off the tape and everything, remove all the rules, Michael Mayer would be my guy if he's on the board. That is close enough to that 8.30 for me. And some of you guys are going, it's close enough, Clayton, because you're a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> Touche. But still, Michael Mayer is a hoss. He's a beast. I think he's going to be a great tight end. Um, no matter who he gets drafted by, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. I really do. He's someone who's going to be able to play all three positions. He can play attached. He can play flex. He can play boundary. He can do it all. He's not the guy you want to put at the H-back position in the backfield. 
You don't really need him to be that, but you want him to be that guy. Imagine Mercedes Lewis and Bob Tunyon in one in a young stud. That's kind of what you got. Now, Michael Mayer is not going to run and be as athletic as Bob Tunyon, but he's got just as, as good a hands, if not better hands, than Bob Tunyon. He can block way better than Bob Tunyon, right? And he can still play the boundary like Bob Tunyon. Um, so that's just something to kind of take into consideration. Now, assuming they test out, again, my top choice would be Quentin Johnston and Dalton Kincaid. And the reason I say that, because when you look at the board and the modifier has already been applied for Michael Mayer, and you've got Dalton Kincaid is only two spots below him, and he's – and I mean, literally – uh, Michael Mayer's at the 22 spot. Dalton Kincaid's in the 24 spot. If Dalton Kincaid comes out and lights it up and he does the same thing that Luke Musgrave did, his modifier, guys, is going to literally jump him all the way up to above or right below Jackson Smith in Jigba. So he would be hands down the best tight end in the draft on my board if he tests out in that you know nine 9.00 RAS and above uh, like Luke Musgrave did. So. Those two names are kind of honorable mentions, mainly because their profile is incomplete. And when when it is complete, I will not be surprised at all if they skyrocket on up the board. Okay, so that's Quentin Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. And then, of course, tied in uh, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Now, let's talk about Jalen Carter a little bit, and we'll wrap up. The reason that he's fallen, okay, and again, we we have to be ready for this because if he falls and he's available at number fifteen, we want our listeners to to go into that draft going, okay, here's why he fell. You know, it's one thing to just say, oh no, he's a beast. I watched him in Georgia. Take him anyway. It's worth the risk. It's understanding why he fell, okay, and then that's going to be put into perspective of is that a big enough issue that we don't want to put him on our football team? All right. First of all, one thing, one red flag. Um, forget the off-the-field stuff. We'll talk about it in a second. But one red flag is he goes to the combine, and he didn't compete in a lot of stuff, right? He waited on his pro day. He goes to his pro day. Guys, two weeks later, two weeks after the combine, Jalen Carter was nine pounds heavier in two weeks. Now, I used to be the guy that when people gained weight, I would go, shut up. It doesn't matter. They can lose that real quick. It doesn't matter. Guys, it's – I've had to eat my words on that, uh, you know, over that, over the, over the, you know, course of however many years since I've been doing draft boards. Cause it seems like every single time a player does that, it comes to bottom in the rear end later on. Like later on, on down the road, it, it becomes an issue. And it's not so much that they're not going to take their diet serious, but if they're not willing to take their diet serious, they're not going to work as hard. If they're not working as hard and they're not taking their diet as serious. What's that tell you? They probably don't love the game as much as someone like an Aaron Donald who, my God, has negative 2% body fat. I mean, you ever see that dude working out, it's like there isn't an ounce of fat on that guy's body, and and that does matter. I know we're not out there building you know, bodybuilders, and there's been great defensive linemen like Tony Saragusta, rest in peace, um, you know, people like that that – the, I mean, you look at them and go, there's no way they're an athlete. And you watch them, you know, anchor a, an awesome defense in Baltimore. And it's like, wow, that that dude is strong. He doesn't look strong, but he is strong. Um, but I'm, I'm not talking about putting bodybuilders on the field, you know. Um, it's, it's just simply, you know, success leaves clues. 
And unfortunately, failure leaves clues too. You know, a lot of times when someone doesn't pan out, you can go back and there was this this cookie this cookie crumb trail of and no pun intended when we're talking about weight, but there's this trail of tips and hints going. That's why they got to that point. It was the writing was on the wall. I'll tell you another one. One of my favorite all time Packers was uh, Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy coming out of college. What was the knock on him? He won't control his weight. Well, he came into the league and he had it under control. That dude was trimmed down. He looked good. Hey, I was one of the guys going, I don't care about the fact that he blimped up there for a little bit. Who cares? The dude's in shape now and he's going to stay in shape. What happened? That rookie contract runs out. Eddie Lacy was very effective. And and boom, his weight got to be an issue. I, I denied it to the day that they let him go. Going, I still don't think it's – I think people are just blowing it out of, you know, blowing it out of proportion. And then he goes to Seattle, gets a second chance, and what happens? The weight catches up with him again. He gets cut, you know. Like I said, success leaves clues, but so does failure, right? So nine pounds heavier in two weeks he gained nine pounds since the combine. What does that tell you? He didn't take it serious. He knew when the pro day was going to be. He knew he was going to get weighed in again. I mean, it wasn't like it surprised him. He just didn't care. If you don't care about that, how can you convince an organization, especially a private investigator, that you're going to care about what's best for the football team and your teammates and accomplishing a team goal rather than what feels good in the moment? I, Dude, I, I love my Chinese food as much as the next person. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I know that was Eddie Lacy's dig, right? Um, but, he, I mean, if this is – if if you're trying to be the best of the best, as the tape suggests, he's a freaking beast. But is he going to be able to control that? Let's move on to the more serious matter. Um, you know, he was arrested. I don't know all the details, but I'm going to try to take a swing at it here. I was reading an article earlier. It sounds like he was arrested for street racing. He was in a car that was next to a fellow – uh, I think a fellow offensive lineman. It might have been a defensive lineman as well. And they were racing. And that that other Georgia player had a young a young lady that was kind of an assistant to the team. I, I'm assuming they might have been dating. I, I I probably shouldn't even say that, but whether they were or wasn't, that's it doesn't matter. They're, they're adults, right? Um, but that led to a crash from reckless driving that killed both of the people in the other vehicle. And it sounds like, if I understood correctly. Jalen Carter was racing them and there was something about lying to police and other things that came into place. Just the worst timing for that guy, because I think there was a good chance he was going to be a top five pick. He may still be, but it's looking like he's trending down. So that's kind of the off the field stuff. Guys, I, I want to emphasize, you know, put emphasis on the fact that the tape is phenomenal. If you don't believe me, go watch it. Go watch Jalen Carter play football. There's plenty of highlight reels, and not even highlight reels. Go try to play, find complete games. Those are even they're even better. Look at a game where Georgia played a really tough opponent, you know, in the SEC or in the playoffs, whatever, and and pull that up and just key in on Jalen Carter the entire time. It'll blow your mind. It would absolutely blow your mind. So, with that being said, Andy, the the finality of the uh, of the exercise here. The people that checked the box as far as RAS on down the line, this is how it was listed in position. By need, two. Three tight ends made, made the list, two wide receivers, and two defensive linemen, although one will likely be off the board before the Packers pick. So let's call it one defensive lineman. 
So it's three tight ends, two wide receivers, one defensive lineman. In my opinion, I think there is a very, very, very good chance that if the Packers stay put 15, they don't pick up number 13 from the Jets, they're going to be drafting a tight end. That's kind of how it looks. Now, again, there's a good chance they could take a wide receiver as well. But right now, I feel like there's going to be more opportunities at tight end. So here's where I'm going to throw you a curveball. If I was the GM, and again, this is just strictly numbers to show you that's how many people are available there. There's a better chance that they will take one of those. If I'm the GM and I get to that spot and there's two wide receivers and three tight ends, what I'm going to do is draft a wide receiver. I'm going to go with either Quentin Johnston or Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? And then watch those tight ends like a hawk as we go through the back half of the first round. And since there's three that met our qualifications, then the second that one is taken off the board, I'm combing through my notes and going, which teams here um, early in the second round did we have a, uh, a framework put together for a trade for us to climb up in the second round? And hopefully you could land one of those other two remaining tight ends. Who knows? Maybe the tight ends fall and they're all three available when you pick in the middle of the second round. But you got to be prepared to climb up real quick in the second round to grab one of those top-tier tight ends. So that's kind of how I see it. As it sits right now, Brian Branch would be my pick. I said that over and over and over. But it would be wrong for me to ignore that 8.30 RAS um, qualification there, that threshold. So if they're if they're going to stick to that threshold and not draft anyone that's underneath that 8.30 RAS, then I'm probably going with a wide receiver there. And uh, like we said, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnston. And then watch the tight ends like a hawk. You get into the uh, the first half, the first couple picks probably of the second round, and be ready to pounce and be ready to trade up and get aggressive after a tight end. You know how cool that would be? If we don't have the number 13 pick, if we drafted what we think is going to be a number one wide receiver, at least a number two wide receiver molding into a number one wide receiver to grow and get better with with Christian Watson and Jordan Love throwing on the pigskin. I'm getting excited talking about it, man. This is awesome. And then you pick up a tight end early in the second round, whether you stay put or you have to trade up, and bang, there's your number one tight end of the future. Guys, you got a lot better in the draft. Now, we've got to be realistic with expectations if that scenario unfolds because they are rookies and there's going to be a learning curve. But who knows, man? Who knows? You might you might find Justin Jefferson. You might find Justin Jefferson right there in the first, with that number 15 pick. You know how cool that would be? Imagine someone of the caliber of Justin Jefferson. And some people are going, well, you're, you, it's so hard to find Justin Jefferson. Hey, Justin Jefferson fell in the first round too, guys. Like, let's don't. Let's don't kid ourselves. Everybody acts like these awesome players were the number one pick in the draft, and in most cases they weren't, right? So imagine that, though, getting someone of Justin Justin Jefferson's caliber to line up opposite of Christian Watson. And in this case, if it's Jackson Smith and Jigba, guys, he's a slot receiver, and he's good at it. He's He's got – more, he's not your inline sprinter. He's not a guy that you would ideally line up on the outside in the X or the Z. But I'm telling you right now, putting him in that slot spot, his lateral explosion is phenomenal. So imagine this imagine you've got Christian Watson as the X, you've got Romeo Dobbs as the Z, and you've got 
Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot, and then you turn around in the early in the second round, you get either Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, or Darnell Je- – or what's his name? Darnell – golly, I've got so many names on my mind here. I don't want to mess it up here. Let me go back and uh, – Luke Musgraves won, but Darnell Washington. Imagine that on offense. And Jordan Love out there with the Jordan tongue waggle. You got Aaron Jones. You got Jonesy, 33 in the backfield. You got a little pony package with A.J. Dillon. And the defense continues to get better. It's exciting, man. There's nothing There's nothing better than a draft. It's, it's absolutely awesome. So, Andy, I hope that answered your question, man. I tried to cover it from every single angle. I wanted to make sure that I didn't leave anything out. Um, if there is something I left out, hit me up in the DMs. Say, Clayton, you dumb redneck, you screwed the whole thing up. That's not what I was asking. <laughs> but, again, the fact that you asked the question got my gears turning to where that was a really cool exercise. And I know a lot more information about wide receiver, safety, tight end, defensive line, all the way down the board. We really got to dig into Jalen Carter and why he's fallen. We got to talk about the RAS uh, 8.30 RAS threshold. Um, we, we got to talk about tier of importance with positions, all because you asked a question. And you guys think it's silly and I'm being all shucks and nice to listeners. And when I'm saying, man, give me feedback, ask questions, I'm telling you, every single time you guys ask a question, it makes the show so much more informative because it makes my lazy rear end have to dig a little bit deeper and get the information. So, Andy, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to ask that question. We want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. I'm sure most of you are listening to this on Monday. Um, if you are, hope you have an awesome, awesome work day. I want to apologize in advance. I'm going to be traveling um, this week. The plan is to fly out. I think we got an early flight on Friday. And uh, I'm a history nerd, so we've been Jones in a little bit. I got to get up into uh, up into the uh, the Northeast and, and see some historical sites. So uh, we've got a weekend planned. We're just gonna, you know, get the wheels in the air and and go up to uh, Alexandria, Virginia. If you guys have never been to Alexandria, Virginia, God, it's a gorgeous place. It's it's like stepping back in time. It's so classy. Um, we're going to be there. We're going to an old tavern and having dinner at the same tavern that the founding fathers ate at. Um, it, it's uh, everything is original. That's going to be really cool. There's another restaurant. I think it's called Ada's on the river, uh, right there on the Potomac. We're going to spend a whole day down at Washington, uh, uh, general Washington's house at Mount Vernon. We're going to go up to Washington, DC, see all the monuments, see uh, Kennedy's eternal flame. One of the, one of the most powerful things you'll ever experience is standing at Kennedy's eternal flame where, where the Kennedy family plot is and overlooking DC. Um, it's bittersweet nowadays because you look down there in D.C. and you think of all the corruptness that's in those buildings. <laughs> that is a little bit, uh, but then you turn right around and go up on the hill and see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, and, uh, man, it's hard not to get emotional. So that's going to be the uh, the weekend. I say all that because we fly out Friday. There probably won't be a Saturday pod. There won't be a Sunday pod. I get back into town. I think we fly back into town on Monday. So I, as soon as I get here, I'll come straight upstairs, get in the studio, record you guys a pod for Tuesday, and we'll get back on track. And I promise there's no more vacations. It's just, uh, man, you get the itch. You got to, yeah, I don't know, man. I get I get in the mood and I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm Jones for a little history. What will it cost us to fly up there this week? Yep, that's cheap enough. Let's do it. Let's roll. So that's what's going on. Um, just like I said, I want to apologize in advance, but thanks everybody for hanging out with us. As always, let's go out and be a change we want to see in the world. Go back, go.
sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. Interception as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.